0: Welcome to Stories from the Ridge, the podcast series of the Macaulay School. I'm Lee Burns, head of school. And in this edition of Stories from the Ridge, we are honored to have David McGee, a best-selling author and leading motivational speaker and father of two Macaulay alumni, join us in the podcast studio. On October 27th, David and his wife Kent spoke to a gathering of Macaulay and GPS families. And on the next day, on October 28th, he spoke to Macaulay students in a special chapel gathering. In those talks, David shared the story of his family's struggles with alcohol and other drug addiction, and of William's death in 2013, shortly after he graduated from Ole Miss. William was a 2008 graduate of Macaulay. His other son, Hudson, graduated from Macaulay in 2010, and their daughter, Mary Haley, attended GPS. Hudson shared his story in chapel along with his father. The McGees are the founder of the William McGee Institute for Student Well-Being at the University of Mississippi. That institute is named for william in addition to that institute david and kent helped inspire and create the william mcgee center for wellness education at ole miss which focuses on helping students on campus with alcohol and other drug education support david's most recent book dear william which was published in 2021 is a national bestseller it's a memoir about his relationship with william a story full of tragedy and loss but also about joy and redemption another book Things Have Changed What Every Parent and Educator Should Know About the Mental Health and Substance Misuse Crisis will be published next summer. Joel Kaufman, Director of Counseling at Macaulay, joins us in the studio in this special edition of Stories from the Ridge. David, we're so honored and delighted that you're here with us today to share your story. And when I read your book, a year or so ago, when it came out, I read that within 24 mm. hours, and I found myself so moved and just a you know, number of times, you know, crying mm. in the story that you shared, and to take the tragedy and the challenges in your family's life, and just the you know the tragedy of your know, William's death in 2013 of a drug mm. overdose, and to turn that into, I found hope and even joy. Mm. In the book as well. Thank you. And how did you? How do you turn tragedy and yeah. pain into joy and hope?
1: Oh, thank you, Lee. And it's such an honor to be here. Like we, we, we have such profound love for Macaulay. You know, I, that that's the best investment probably I've ever made in my son's education and. I I told my wife one day recently, I said, you know, we invested in our son's education at Macaulay. And I think by uh, example and role models and osmosis, I I feel like I I got the honor, truth and duty myself. And uh, one day I finally, I was a late bloomer, but finally became a man. And I I feel like Macaulay had such a role in that in my life also as a father. Um, And I think part of that, part of that helped me... um, Dear William is a memoir that is, I think if I were to describe it, it's honor, truth, and duty. For the first time in my life, I spoke truth, full truth. Um, And I tried to do it honorably uh, by those that have had an important role in my life. And I felt a calling and a duty because our son, William, who we lost to an accidental drug overdose, I mean, he suffered from a disease. He wasn't a bad person. He wasn't a weak person. He suffered from a disease. And he was fighting against that, but we lost that battle. Um, and, you know, I've had my own struggle with uh, uh, addiction and um, I had a daughter, who battled eating disorder, Mary Holly, Our son, Hudson, is successful in recovery, um, my role model for maybe 11 years now and lee i just felt uh, honor truth duty i mean uh, that's that's what gave me the courage to do it that's what gave me the strength and that's the responsibility i had let's tell a true story to help others yeah
0: well joel kaufman our director of counseling who's sitting right beside us he and i at lunch today we're talking about one of the things that struck us was just how authentic and vulnerable you mm-hmm. are in sharing you know disappointments and brokenness and mistakes in your own life. I think so often boys and men struggle with that vulnerability and that weakness. And I just applaud you you. for sharing what you did about your life.
1: Well, you know, your leadership here and you've really studied that over many years and you know, how do you, what role do we have as educators, as parents in our children's life and and that role model matters. And so many that are at this school and others that believe in education, I think, you know, they're called to education in part believing in that role. For me, sadly, um, my own personal struggles happened right when my children were coming through middle school and high school. And I don't beat myself up for it. I mean, it is where it is. And we can learn from our mistakes and go forward. And um, again, I, I suffered from the same disease my late son did. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, though it had a lot of impact in my household, and um, I think that you know what what you learn though is now today the role of a father, and that's how I wrote such a raw, true book. My son Hudson and I messaged last week. I messaged him and I said, "You know, you're my role model," and he texted me back, and I couldn't do this without you. Meaning this this journey of sobriety, this journey of life changing. And he messaged me back and he said. I love you too. And I couldn't do it without you either. So, so, you know, that leadership really matters of, of the, the, you know, who we are and how we can play a positive role in uh, students' lives. Joel, your thoughts.
2: Uh, It's such a joy to be here with you in this moment. And one of the things that really struck me that we mentioned at lunch today too, was just discussing the bravery required to Mm -hmm. tell such a story and and I'll be completely transparent. i have I have two children. I have a senior at GPS, a, a son here who is a sophomore. Um, and I read the introduction and literally had to sit it down mm. and and walk away. And there were so many statements that got me, but the plead from William to say, "Hey, tell our story. Mm. You know, tell our story. the, the to hear your son. Who has a window into your experience right. and his own experience? Say something that brave, and then to spend the next several years in your lifetime echoing that bravery through your own life. Can you talk about that bravery for a minute? Mm,
1: thank you, William. Did I was with him um, the week before he died of an accidental drug overdose, and he was really doing well in recovery. Um, but so often, and you learn in the recovery world, it's not always a straight line up. It can be a squiggly lineup, and and it's different for everyone. So that's where William was. He was fighting, and he was doing really well, uh, but he relapsed. And fortunately, I was with him as you mentioned that week before he died. And he was uh, saying, "Dad, you know, you you need to tell our story. That I want you to tell our story." And he couldn't. It was an accidental death. He couldn't have really just literally foreseen what was coming. But I believe in some spiritual way, perhaps. And um, you know, it's interesting about their bravery. So um, William, uh, he was so bright, oh my gosh. And he he flourished, I still have some papers he wrote as a student here in Macaulay and on his computer. I mean, they're just amazing. I was a writer in writing books, but William was a better writer than I was. And I believe when people leave this earth that, um, if we allow our loved ones, if, we, if we're willing and allow it, part of their spirit can stay with us and strengthen us and guide us. And so I was a writer, but to really write the book, to be brave enough to do it, to be able to talent-wise to write it, I needed a little more. And when William left this earth, I think that part of him that was more talented as a writer than I was came to me. And my wife read uh, Dear, first draft of Dear William. She's like, I don't know what happened. I said, William had a role in this. He really did. And I miss our precious William every day. Um, but, but, his life and his story is opening doors at schools like this across America. The student, the William McGee Institute for Student Well-Being is doing work and is going to do work across this country beyond anything I could ever imagine. So I tell people he's really shining for that class of Macaulay for two thousand eight. You know? He's doing extraordinary work.
0: That was David McGee speaking to students in Chapel on October twenty eighth. That's really beautiful. If you think about you know your life and your family's life, I mean on the surface, it looked like everything was was going so well. I mean, three mm. beautiful, talented children at great schools. Your your writing and uh, TV careers going great. Yeah. Um, you're living in a great house in a wonderful yeah. neighborhood, and so forth. And yet, obviously, there were things that were you know that weren't what they mm-hmm. you know, what they seemed on the outside, I guess. And yeah. but were there were there. Were there breadcrumbs that, mm-hmm. that you could look back on now and say, hey, here's some things that, that you saw sort of along the way that now in hindsight mm-hmm. you can see? And if so, could you share some of yeah. that that could be helpful to our listeners and uh, look at McClellan GPS and
1: beyond? That's such a great question, Lee. Absolutely, there were breadcrumbs and warning signs. And, you know, I, as a parent, and, and not was not unlike a lot of parents that, I mean, fear, we want so much so good for our children that fear, fear lies deep within us and so um i remember when we were living in oxford and william was a student in middle school or maybe um you know he'd gotten in trouble maybe he'd tried alcohol or something and i I was so frustrated with him that that i punished him and I, i think i raised my voice and looking back, I really should have been able to look in the mirror and thought like, well, number one, you know, he's mimicking my behavior. I'm his father. I mean, he looks up to me in every way. Why would I expect anything different? And number two, that um, it, there, and increasingly as he advanced on up a couple of years, you know there would be warning signs. Look, he, he was in church every Sunday. He was so active and engaged in youth group. He's in great schools, but but he's human on this earth, right? And and we humans are not spared, um, you know, being any suffering. And he was no different. And what I did not understand, Lee, is that that yelling at him would accomplish nothing. That what I needed to show him was I needed to ask him open-ended questions to really determine what was he facing and what was he going through. I needed to get him into counseling and therapy to help expand upon that. And he was giving me the warning signs. But I didn't understand, really, things had changed, and we're in a different era, and you know, that help is out there. I was just battling my own stigma as a parent, I guess, like, I will deal with this, you know? And and, and you learn from your mistakes. That was one.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting segue. In the counseling center, obviously, we have a lot of work where we're trying to walk with and advocate for kids who are going through whatever challenge that they have in front of them. And of course, substance use can be one of those challenges. And so we're constantly looking at our policies and trying to figure out what is the Mm -hmm. best way to help these students in their time of need. And one of the things that we've really tried to do in the last probably four to five years really is to establish a support group around them when we find out in whatever way we find out Mm -hmm. that a student is involved in substance. That support group, of course, has an administrator involved just because there mm-hmm. may or may not be a disciplinary piece to that. There's a counselor involved with that. There's an advisor, whether that's on the day side or the boarding side. In addition to that, we look to the student and say, hey, we need one adult mm-hmm. you know, contributor in your life who's a part of this community that you trust, that you want to invite into this story. You get to pick who that is. Mm. And I'm curious in your work that you've done mm-hmm. with your centers and working with college students, how does that model line up with some of Mm -hmm. what you've experienced and what you've seen?
1: That is such a great question. And first of all, um, you know, somebody, my my wife said, when you've been in this changed life, David 2.0, you you speak only truth now, and maybe sometimes too much truth, right? It's a joke, (laughs) I mean, so so when I say something, I mean it. And I I applaud, I'm so proud of this school in so many ways, it's such a part of our life. And I think that mentoring uh, that Macaulay does, as you mentioning, how that in that counseling role it's not just a meeting but who, who's your support team because we know studies show and that's why you do that studies show clearly that matters um and so on the college level i can tell you that that's a real challenge even me so i'm i, I work at the university of mississippi and I, I get to do work in the william mcgee institute for student well-being named after my late son william and you know my job is not i'm not a counselor um I'm just trying to build structure to help students. But what's interesting is myself and so many other play that mentor role. I, I get calls. Sometimes I can barely manage those calls, those calls from students, particularly males and young men, and I never turn them down because they matter so much. We are working overtime on college campuses to figure out, how to help students get more of that type of support you know there there was a recent study that showed that 87 percent of college students on a college campus feel very lonely at some point during their career and that's not in high school that's in college and so for us to be able to create pockets and of, of identified um, support networks that they can plug into. So that's some of the work we're doing with the William McGee Center to try to help them find those, those n- networks of support. It just matters so much, as you say. And uh, honestly, the, 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 the results of that when j- young people need to be seen and heard that's just what it gets down to parents say is their one secret i say they need to be seen and heard for where they are and what their experience and that's step number 1 that will guide you through all the way up through step number 10 you know that's great
0: i think one of the things that Macaulay recognizes and i hope in all schools should but i mean every school every high school in america students are facing challenges temptations mm-hmm. issues of substance use and abuse and well, our approach is let's be real and authentic about it. Let's not sweep it under under the rug. Let's not be a you know a one strike school. You know we're going to look at it as a learning and growth opportunity. And how we walk alongside the boys, how do we extend both grace and accountability, but get them where they're where they're understanding why they're making the choices that yes. they are, and the deeper sort of what's really going on you know in their in their lives. And you know Joel and his team, I think do a wonderful job of sort of walking alongside the boys. But I mean there you know, there are consequences, there's follow up, there are all kinds of ways we mm-hmm. you know, we support them. But I think it, that's much more I think comprehensive than what it may have been, you know, years ago when your
1: son's Well, that's right. right. Things have changed. But I would say they got incredible support. Uh, Macaulay has always really understood that educating young men is about the whole being. And I think that it's an extraordinary school. And that's one reason myself and, you know, so many others believe in it. And and, and my son Hudson speaks to that. Um, Hudson, as I said, is my role model in so many respects. And, um, you know, it's almost emotional for me to say, but he he, he 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 exemplifies honor, truth, and duty and in, in the values of um, you know, that as much as anybody I know on this earth. And, you know, he got that here. It's about the foundation. It's about building the foundation that gives them something to go back to. Here's a part of what
0: Hudson McGee, class of 2010, said in chapel.
1: Stuff, too, that I attribute, like my dad said, back to my time in my college, just the brotherhood that you learn here, was something that I leaned on heavily when I came out of recovery because I knew that I didn't need to be a man by bottling up my um, pain that I was dealing with. I needed to be a Macaulay man by working with my brothers to deal with the pain that I was dealing with.
0: That was Hudson McGee.
2: Yeah. David, you mentioned that foundation. I always, I talk to a lot of boarding students, obviously, who come in and, and they will be several weeks or even months potentially into their Macaulay experience. And I'll ask them, you know, with the caveat of, I'm a firm believer that anytime we start a new experience, that we go into those with certain expectations. Some of those are things we're really excited mm-hmm. about. Some are things we're fearful of, just questionable. Uh, and so As you look back, I'm sure you entered this new chapter of your life, this David Mm 2.0 that you mentioned, uh, with certain expectations. What I would really love to know is what are two or three things you feel like you've learned about yourself that weren't a part of those expectations, Mm -hmm. things you didn't see coming with the growth that you've experienced as a father and a husband and a friend and a
1: man? Uh, Great question. I love that. Um, Joy. Um, Number one, I learned that I was chasing things. And, um, I, I you know, I, I, really began to understand that I needed to look deeper that the objective should be joy, a foundation of joy. And that if I had that, if I could achieve that and, um, do the work to get that, that it would spread to others, my immediate family to others around me. So I became more focused on j- joy than chasing things and results, a big, big, resu- a big outcome shift for me. Um, and I found it, uh, <laughs> Um, I think also the a big difference for me was others. I recognized it's not about me at all. And I was, I was trying to build a career for me. I was trying to do things for me and that, that me just kind of, went away with David 1.0 and I realized it's just about others. And somebody asked me, why do, why do young people respond to you? When I said, you mean because I'm balding and gray and in my <laughs> 50s, why do they respond to me? And I said, I think because they realize I just care about them and their success. And I think that's why so many people are called like here at Macaulay that, that I still see so many uh, faculty members that are still here and right. It's about others. It's about others and we get to the joy of benefiting when we put others first in that service and that that changed my entire life and, and guess what then things begin to just find me right you know and i think that dovetails so nicely with you know the faith component of mm-hmm.
0: macaulay um you know our christian values and mm-hmm. principles and honor truth and duty and we talk about you know loving others serving mm-hmm. others seeing a bigger picture for your life than just yourself. And our students, you know, of course they go on and do lots of mm-hmm. wildly successful right. things and so forth, but we really do try to impress upon them, hey, it's more important who you are and your character and, and faith and how you're serving and love others than just sort
1: of taking everything in. For That's yourself. the sustainability right um that's the sustainability and you see how people respond to you differently and again that's what i see in my son hudson i i mean he he just has such a, a kindness you know he's very successful in business and he's a good father and he's a good husband but but what i see in community is people really respect him and respond to him and he you know he's just 30 31 years old and it's really fun to me to see and that's that foundation and he talks a lot about how he got that here how you know, so many invested in the care of him. And then, you know, he just tries to pay it back forward within the community he lives in.
0: So you're a grandfather now. I am a grandfather. Congratulations. Thank you. So what would be some of your hopes and your messages Mm -hmm. and interactions with your grandchildren
1: going Mm -hmm. forward? Gosh. Yes. So it's so interesting that I spend my life as a communicator and, um, what changed my life within my family with my son Hudson and, and at the end of William's life, because we really broke through in communications and my daughter, Mary Hallie, um, it's, it's improved communication. The dialogue is the gateway to all of this. And we spend so much time as parents, as I said earlier, we parents live in fear. And when we live in fear, we tend to tell our children what we want for them. We tend to tell them what they should think, what they should do. And when we can take a deep breath, draw upon faith, and realize that we can't control everything, then then we begin to ask open-ended questions, as I mentioned earlier, to our children. And we begin to have a conversation that helps us and helps this, the our children understand where they're coming from themselves. And um, I think that is the secret of all secrets to it.
2: David, I just want to thank you as we kind of draw to a conclusion here for, I started it with a a statement about bravery, but bravery is not a moment, right? Mm -hmm. It's a mindset that you you continuously make a decision to be brave as you move forward. And it's clear in your life, in the institutions you've begun, Mm -hmm. in this David 2.0 that I'll continue to refer to, You know that you've challenged us you know Mm -hmm. to have our lee and our joel 2.0s as well as we are you know parents and and friends and and certainly members of this macaulay community so thank you thank you for being here
1: thank you this was amazing
0: well again we're so grateful for the time here on this podcast and these days you'll be with our students here at macaulay and at gps as well so thank you so much um for sharing that and just giving your you know your life story Uh, to be a source of inspiration and wisdom to others. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, David.
2: You have been listening to Stories from the Ridge, a podcast series about the happenings of the faculty, students, and alumni of Macaulay School. Stories from the Ridge is produced by the Macaulay Communications Department. If you have any comments or a suggestion for a future podcast, please let us know by emailing info at That's info at Or call us at 423-493-5615. This is Jamie Baker with the Communications Department. Thanks for listening.